Kuri everybody, Namaskar, greetings. Thank you so much for joining me. So tonight I have a very special guest here. I have Tapashi, who's living in Auckland also. And we're just working out when we met each other. We think it's around uh, 1997. 1997. And we, we were just <laughs> looking at this funny video we did together um, for the magnificent album called Anything. And yeah, Tapashi's in that video. I'll paste the link at the end of this so you yeah. can have a look and I'm laugh. The one on, I'm the one on the gravestone in the cemetery <laughs> doing that day. Grafton Road. You can have a laugh when you watch it. <laughs> so I wanted to invite Tvashi as an environmentalist. She's a scientist and um, much more than that. And just wanted to her to share with you some of the things that she's been up to. So Tvashi, yeah. thank you for joining me. Thanks for inviting me an hour ago. <laughs> Spontaneous. Yes, yes. Okay. And uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about your background. Wow. Um, well, um, I'm an educator, actually. I'm a teacher. So um, all, everything comes from that, I guess. So I was born in Tasmania, Australia, in the north on a beef farm and a biodynamic berry farm as well. Hmm. That's so, an interesting mixture. Yeah, my father was quite progressive and he took over the family farm and needed to make money because farming in the 80s in Australia wasn't great. So he um, diversified into biodynamics mm. and berries. Mm. So, um, what kind of berries? Raspberries, strawberries, mm. boysenberries, wow. loganberries. <clears throat> yeah, so I ate a lifetime's worth of raspberries. I still like them though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but the one thing when I was growing up living on a farm in northern Tasmania is that I knew I had to leave <laughs> and explore the world. <laughs> and also I had this in, ingrained sense of um, – wanting to learn yoga I didn't really know what that was mm, but I just mm. sort of had a sense I remember on a bus thinking I thought I think I saw something on tv something mentioned yoga or and I just had this overwhelming sense that I needed to learn it at some point in my life and also wanted mm. to be a vegetarian when I was nine because a boy in my class I still remember his name he said to me one day eating meat's actually not good for animals and I had this like that's right. It's not. It's like this. This vo he was a voice of reason, and I just this cloud lifted anyway. So I told my father, who you know, third, second, third generation beef farmer, <laughs> went home and said, "I'm not eating meat anymore. It's bad for the cows." <laughs> oh, and, this is fun. Oh, he just said, "Eat your eat your eat your food. Be quiet. Eat your food." Like <laughs> classic Australian male. And, um, you know, so I sort of diligently did that because I was a good girl. <laughs> and the next day at school, my teacher came and sat down to me, sat down next to me and said, Tonya, you really need to, um, you really need to eat your meat because it's good for you. So, you know, you do that as a kid. But I just had a sense that when he, when that boy in my class told me that, I was like, that's right. That's right. It's like, that's how it should be. But anyway, growing up, you had to sort of eat it. So I just carried on. And then when I left home, I um, stopped eating meat. <clears throat> um, but uh, I didn't really know how to be a vegetarian yeah. because all I knew was yeah. how to eat meat and three vegetables, <laughs> exactly. classic Australian yeah. dinner, uh, boiled to death, and um, <laughs> not the meat, the vegetables. <laughs> so I just really struggled with vegetarian – not struggled with the idea of being it but what to cook so I was pretty unhealthy for a while and also I was studying and working and so I went back to eat, eating meat just because that's you know what I knew but I just really wanted to change mm. and back then you know there wasn't um vegetarian restaurants no. there wasn't no, like there wasn't, you couldn't no. find anything no. there was the moosewood cookbooks <clears throat> um 
but it wasn't until I left, uh, it wasn't until I went to India that I became vegetarian on the yoga tour, mm. on the Nandamanga yoga tour. Um, and I ate some really bad meat in England when I went there first because I lived in a place that just just was really had bad food. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, so um, that was my, that's my, that was my sort of growing up in a, in a nutshell, I guess. Lived, grew up in a small area and I knew, I had this sense of, wanting to expand you know expand yeah. my life expand yeah. my mind expand yeah. everything my yeah. my childhood was quite small I guess you could say but also quite good because I grew up in the countryside which so I had an affinity for nature and that mm. realization mm. of caring for animals but as well as being in the mix of having that as my family income tell us a little bit what uh but what inspiring <coughs> projects have you been doing lately yeah so many 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 years later i am a teacher and i teach um i've taught my i teach 11 12 13 year olds i really love that age and i've taught in the classroom in new zealand um every subject but i um did a um, environmental science degree and i love teaching children the reason i became a teacher mm-hmm. i didn't really want to be a teacher I just have no interest in in education as such. Isn't that weird? But I love, <laughs> but I'm passionate about like um, us humans being kaitiaki, uh, guardians of the environment and um, having ancestors gone before us. We need to look after this beautiful place for the next, um, for the next humans coming along. Um, so through a very weird way, um, I became a teacher because I wanted to um, help children understand the need to look after the environment and how special it is and what they can do so I started with gardening organic gardening classes and then train and thought right well the best way to get in there is get in the system and be in that system of education Mm. so I went from environmental science degree Mm. didn't really want to work in the council Mm. you know and consultancy wasn't me I wanted to be out there and Mm. And, um, you know, do my bit. Um, so yeah. then I went to do teaching and became a specialist science teacher five years ago and I did my master's, mm. Mm. Um, master's of education in climate change science, actually, how to help kids through the, the issues we have today around our climate and maybe even polar shifts um, in, a hum- in a humane perspective from and also science perspective as well. So, yeah, I teach science to, to pre-teens, which is a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hands-on, yeah, um, real-life, skill-based, a little bit of need-to-knows content, but um, it's all about being curious, being curious, question questioning. I've just done a lot of training in um getting deeper into science pedagogy and pedagogy means the how you learn what you're learning you mm-hmm. know how you teach what you're learning sorry yeah I upskilled a lot in that and I went I was working at Auckland Uni in the earth science department so I learned a lot about rocks that I didn't know about because I did um, well I love the forest the bush because you know science is sort of quite um you know traditionally it's quite knowledge factual based and very um one dimensional it could be but um in New Zealand we have the Treaty of Waitangi so we have um Mataranga Māori so that's the Māori worldview of the world and all indigenous cultures obviously have that so when we grow up and we learn science at school in um you know Europe Australia New Zealand 
America, Canada, we learned the Western European perspective of yes. how the world works through yeah. a, a certain lens of um, wealthy white men who um, have got their position through inheritance and they sit on boards and say, this is how science is and this is what the funding's for and, you know, keep keep all the goodies to themselves and people find out things. Things were told through um, uh, how they understood the world through Māori myths and legends. So... I try and share some of those, but it's it's done in metaphor. It's not a literal thing. You're Maui in the sun. Mm, yeah. It's not literally Maui catching the, sun. catching the sun. But there are a lot of messages within um, these stories that explain the world and how the world works. A quick little example is mm. um, in the Bay of Plenty there's um, – um, there's a big flood zone mm-hmm. and um, Māori live around there and um, their marae, which is their meeting house where they meet together as a community, they never, they, where they, um, they built their marae. Um, and then over the, you know, the decades and Europeans came and they built up, built their houses around this area and um, this area was flooding. Um, it's naturally floods anyway, but there was a big flood big flood outside of Tauranga um, and these houses got completely flooded away and completely, you know, destroyed. But the marae and where Māori, the Māori live were completely fine because their oral story of how they understood oh, that river and the um, the estuary mm, area, um, they understood how that went. So it was like they made it like a tanifaf. So the head um, up, up inland where the rivers began, it was sort of like the, the head and the t- um, and then they've got the body and then the tail of the tanifa swishes around. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this is the story. It swishes around um, where the estuary opens up into the mm-hmm. um, to the wow. into the water, and so you you don't uh, you don't build where that tail is swishing. Wow. You know, yeah. So they didn't build there, and that is a story that I learnt from a um, a, ge- um, a geologist actually. Um, at Auckland University, he's written quite a lot about that. So I try to make it real life for them and curious and knowing that science, science, there's never any one truth for science mm. because we're always learning things mm. or everything, things yeah. change. And so, yeah, um, yeah. so when I say when they're 60, things will be totally different to when they are 12 and they'll look back and go, wow, how <laughs> things have changed changed so science is always always um you know on the move on the move different perspectives you've got to understand the lens that it um is seen through Mm, very interesting yeah Yeah. there's not one just no not one way Mm -hmm. which makes it really fun Mm. yeah sure (laughs) i'm sure you make it fun as well Mm. (laughs) not lately though learning some interactive games are you saying something oh hands-on you know building making models Mm -hmm. um you know trying things out if they don't work thing is that they also there's you know it's not a recipe it's not like cooking science shouldn't be like that you follow a procedure of course but um the end might be something different than what you expect and that's okay because yeah. you know we're just not we don't want to be we don't like being wrong but there's no wrong really it's just you learn something new yes. if something didn't turn out if you're disproven from what you thought was happening that doesn't matter because you now you learn that that doesn't work yes so it's valid too it's also valid it's mm. also valid so um yeah 
Yeah, it's just I think it's more for them just trying out new things, like, you know, not having to be right all like the time. Like you said, but, being curious. Yeah, being curious. I wonder what would happen if we did this instead of that. <laughs> Although when the confines of a school system, you know, I've got yeah. an hour. <laughs> yeah, <right>. So <laughs> can't go too mad. But, um, yeah, yeah, and they like that. They like that, you know, kids are supposed to have fun and explore and in- investigate. So, yeah. Yeah, it sounds cool. Yeah, so that's what I want to, you know them to foster so we have some really good scientists who you know look at different sources different perspectives and not be so and not be rigid in their decisions yeah yeah be open to other perspectives and also you know science is a reflection of a capitalistic system so unfortunately that's that's the where we are at the moment Yeah. And any other inspiring project you've been doing lately? Oh, yeah. So with uh yeah, with Auckland, our um so with a, our Mort Auckland Mort project for about 5 or 6 years, we um a group of us every Sunday we have a market in Auckland and um a lot of produce is wasted um because so much stuff is imported um and uh, so much supply. Um, so we collect up what the stallholders will not sell, can't sell. But um, not rotten though, obviously. You know, with pro- fresh produce, it needs to move fast. So then we distribute it. So we have three or four cars. We put them all about. There's a, um, a man from the Tongan community in Onehanga who takes it back to his community. They have He has a health-type centre. Um and to encourage his community to eat healthy, make smoothies and stuff. Anyway, so then we distribute it to people in need, and it's quite flexible. It's quite fluid. If if we deliver to places they don't need it anymore, then we find others. We have lots of – it's very grassroots, so we, we basically just put it's like tentacles out with contacts, and if someone needs some food, then we'll deliver it to them, and if they don't, we don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the – um, main main organisations is is City Mission, isn't it? Yeah, we don't deliver to them anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah, because they have they they need a lot of food, so they have big wholesalers coming okay. in. Yeah, yeah. Which we used to, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, they've moved to a bigger premises now. It's all been all that City Mission building's been redone. Wow. Um, but we do, yeah, we 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 give to people who give to their church communities. Mm-hmm. Um, Kai's. Mm-hmm. So Pataka Kai is. Um, so Kai is Tereo for food and Pataka is like a box. So on the side of the road, all of these um, boxes, they're made out of card, not cardboard, <laughs> plywood, and they're like a little cupboard. Hmm. I've yeah. seen them on the side of the road. Yeah, yeah and so they're in community. So you put bread or fresh fruit, veggies, cans, clothes in for people just to go and pick up. Just Yeah, so they're on the side of the roads. Um, yeah, I mean we give to people who then give, who then pass it on. Um, housing New Zealand houses, mm-hmm. yeah, yes. um, yeah, but that's still going. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's sustained really well because um, we work collaboratively. There's no sort of like person that's telling us what to do, and we just move. We're very flexible. We move with the need. Yeah, yeah, we move with the need. We're just actually partnered up with a local um, school, um, Saint Joseph's School, who have a lot of island kids, and. So we're going to, we just started before lockdown actually mm, distributing wow. um, food to them. And so we talked to the principal and we're going to give them food and they're going to cook with the food that we give them mm-hmm. on the Monday. 
and Lovely. take it home. Yeah. So that's really Wonderful. cool. And it's really good because there's buy-in and the staff are on board and the principal. Um, so that's really great. That's really wonderful. Yeah. 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 So we're excited about that. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I always ask everybody is, is your relationship with care time, mm. any experiences you might have had or any thoughts and feelings about care time? Yeah. Care time is yeah, something that gets me through the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it is. And I think um, – yeah, because I'm not like a, uh, you know, I'm not a musician. I like singing, but I'm not a musician. But I love how Kirtan has so many different tunes and it can sound so different. So over the same words, it always sound, it can sound so different. So, yeah. yeah, and I'm lucky to be around um, some really good Kirtan players at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I found like when I when I wanted to learn meditation and yoga, I had, you know, I didn't even – Kirtan didn't even come into my head. I didn't even, you know, I didn't even know what what um, sp- mm. spiritual songs existed, right? So coming from, you know, Tasmania, there's not many, there are only hymns in the church. So having Kirtan, um, I found it quite weird, first of all, singing before you do meditation, especially yeah. singing and then doing this weird step-by-step thing and then sitting down. But um, I guess... I guess, yeah, it's it's good. It just calms your mind and sits you down, gets you to sit down. I find it hard to do sometimes because I'm just sort of I, – I can I can just sit down and just focus quite easily most of the time. You know, thoughts come and go, but you just – I know how to push them away and just keep focusing. So I actually find sometimes kirtan can – I do kirtan and then I'm like, oh, that's that's – that's enough. <laughs> That's really weird. <laughs> I don't know. Um, special special events. I, I enjoy kirtan, mass kirtans, you know, kirtans mm. and retreats. Mm. There's nothing mm. better. The, just I guess, I mean, I'm probably saying what everybody else says, but it's true. Um, the energy, the it just takes you along. But you feel like you're yeah. not contributing unless you're, you know, you're just singing and doing it. But you are. You're part of it, part of that movement. So I remember the Matakaruna kirtans that were really cool when um, we did some Naga kirtan because, you know, we have like a whakamara about Naga kirtan, shyness in the streets. Shyness. Yeah. It's a mighty word for shyness. Yeah. Kirtan on Baba's birthday. And so, you know, being New Zealanders like, oh, don't want to make a fuss. <laughs> don't want anyone to see us. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so there was about seven or eight of us and that was like let's do nugget kid I was like no embarrassing <laughs> so but yeah so get over it it's but quite, you did yeah we did it um around the block it was it was 7 a.m in Greyland <laughs> <laughs> but no it was fine it's fine but together when and I also like the idea of kirtan I like that I think I like the idea idea of it um, the most because it, you're all moving together as one and that energy is mm-hmm. being directed at, at a certain point that you are a part of mm-hmm. and it's bigger than you. So I think that for me is the mm-hmm. most valuable thing mm-hmm. and that's the idea of collectiveness in Kirtan and throughout your life you know that you need to be with like-minded people. Um, so I, I think for me the idea of Kirtan is the most powerful thing and I try to remember that when I do it, that that I'm doing it with these other hum- these other awesome humans and we're on the same path. We're on this planet together at the same time with the same samskaras to share this space now. That's pretty special. And we are singing this um, amazing mantra that will um, that um, 
uh, that connects us with a, a greater consciousness and we're doing that together now yeah yeah that's that sounds I'm amazing like. <laughs> I, really, I really like that yeah thank you so much Tapashi is there usually I ask people at the end if there's anything else that you'd like to talk about or is something that comes to mind that you want to share I think that's okay that's good. I think I'm done I'm just looking forward to the next few decades <laughs> of this wacky world oh earth where am I going next I wonder kia ora thanks kia ora. for having thank me you, on Tupashi. thank you namaskar so much. namaskar